We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging, for they hold the memories, the traditions, the culture and hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples across the nation. Before we go any further with this podcast, we'd like to pay respects to the land that we found ourselves on out at Mangrove Mountain and its original inhabitants, the Darkajung people of the area. This podcast is fun, but we also want to give our due respects to those people and you will hear in the podcast um, some of the history that may be triggering for some listeners as it is not pleasant in parts and we just want to give you prior warning that that will be coming up during the podcast. So listen at your own discretion. So we have a special bonus episode number one Yay, that we're very special, excited special, about. Special, uh, And it's come about because of the paranormal investigation at Mangrove Mountain that my clients have so generously uh, allowed us to share everything that we want to share, including some captured spirit audio, which you'll hear it and it is loud and clear, like so loud and clear that I thought it was Laura until I heard Laura laugh and it overlaps the voice that we hear. So it's not Laura and it cannot be anyone else and you're going to get to hear it. And it's cool and you're going to love it. <laughs> Are you going to put that on Instagram? I can put Facebook. that on Instagram. We might have to get Maddie, our AV guy, Yay. to take that up for us because i got no idea. He'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> so the story came about basically I have read for this family. I've read for the mum, the aunties, the daughters, for everybody. And a few years ago, the homestead at Mangrove Mountain came into their possession and they started doing some renovations more recently. And even though the property already contained quite a lot of spiritual activity and paranormal activity that had gone down in the history books and was and passed on through the stories to the new owners, my clients, the, they felt that the uh, the spiritual and the paranormal activity had been heightened and ramped up more recently because of the renovations and they really just reached out to me to come over and see whether or not the spirits were happy with what they were doing whether they were unhappy whether they'd been disturbed and and they weren't so much scared they didn't really want me to fix a problem for them make spirits go away they just really wanted to understand who was around and why and if they were okay with them being there which I love and I understand that some people get it scared and that's cool too um but that was not the purpose of this one so it was an investigation that we we got there and it was in the middle of freaking nowhere and it was pitch black (laughs) it was quite a drive it was a drive with Um, convoluted directions because there was no service after a certain amount of time along the road so and the numbers were not 
numbered in order the way that they should and they did not make any sense and we're getting up to 119 123 <laughs> and Laura's like Tracy you need to turn around and I'm like but spirit is telling me I need to keep going and you're like no I think you need to turn around like we're getting the numbers it's number 115 we're getting too far along and I'm like no I think we need to keep going and then all of a sudden we just see like the entire valley lit up with these floodlights it's like okay I think we found them so we arrived and it's a beautiful property and the home is crazy crazy cool in terms of how old it is like this place was so freaking old and there's a lot of new oh unbelievable and a lot of the original house is still standing and they've built around it you would say and and underneath it Mm -hmm. and they've added on to it but they've kept the original kitchen everything's the original doorways the original floorway in the kitchen um the fireplace like it's and the original windows and doorways all very original the lights lights lights. yeah so when we arrived, there was quite a lot of family there. There were three sisters and then a daughter and her partner and their baby girl and a couple of dogs. <laughs> we have yeah. to mention the dogs because a dog. they, yeah, well, one of the dogs comes into play later on and yes. it scared me. <sighs> but the, the whole idea was that uh, I got their permission to be able to record audio, record visual as well. And so Laura had <laughs> responsibility of carrying two phones, one recorded visual, one recorded audio, and we set off. And originally I wanted to be able to do a bit of a sweep of the home first off to be able, and I will do this usually just to get an idea of a reading energetically for me, um, just to get my bearings, to find the hot spots, to find the active spots, to find the spaces that I need to spend more time in that I need to go back to that kind of it kind of prioritizes itself it's like Tetris itself into where I need to go um often what I will do is work in a clockwise fashion around a space as well and the energy moves with me in that area which I don't think I mentioned to you on the night but that's what I was doing I just need to find out where my starting point is and then I move in that clockwise direction why why the clockwise that's the way that energy flows for me Okay. Um, if I go backwards, then I feel like the energy is going backwards. It's just I don't know whether it's a it's a kind of OCD thing. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why, but I, I always just have to move energy through homes in a clockwise direction. I cleanse in a clockwise direction and an anti-clockwise direction too. So I'll cleanse and then apply. In, cleanse in anti-applying clock. Okay. I know. We'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we both did a bit of a once around and when we first walked into the house alone together, the first room that we see is legitimately full of dolls. Yeah. Which would have been in the original house, it would have been their back porch. Yeah. But that was also an add-on too. Yes. True. Yeah. True. It was the outside room or the outer room that was added on later from the original homestead but before our client had moved in and and done more renovations so there's a lot of different patchwork floor patchwork quilt flooring going on and you could tell by the age of the the new additions because of the flooring and the windows as well so we go into this room and Laura immediately thinks that it's a stitch up she's just like come (laughs) off it like (laughs) there's freaky old dolls with Chucky eyes and crazy hair and, and broken prams, old clothes they're wearing, and it and this was weird just weird ass lady just sitting at the table. A doll, <laughs> a big old stuffed doll sitting at a table. It was like a little um, sort of tea set up table, and there was a side table behind it with another 
bride of Chucky looking doll on that and all these other dolls stuffed in a a little old pram, an old white wicker pram. Basically yeah. ghost magnets. <laughs> yep. So Trace and I looked at each other and had a little bit of a giggle yeah, actually initially. Like, really? What's yep. going on? Which we did feel a little bit bad about later on, yes, but we'll get to that. We did. And um, one of the things that I will mention straight away is that dolls, unbeknownst to most people, not only dolls but also items that people pick up from vintage stores or antique stores carry a lot of energy. So whilst there was a lot of paranormal activity in that house and a lot of presence that was historical and belonged to the home for a reason, they were also inviting more spirits and more activity into the home because of the items that she was collecting throughout that weren't hers to begin with. And she bought most of these dolls at stores which she's drawn to in itself she's very drawn to them she doesn't know why she just is she just likes collecting them yeah so uh i take note of that straight away and we begin to move through and we move into the first room to the right and i immediately sense that there is a male and a female presence there that didn't feel um alarming i wasn't worried about it they felt fine uh and they they ended up being the caretakers, essentially. The male was the caretaker of the property, from what I understood. He looked after most of the most of the cutting of the wood for the fire and the tending to the land and fixing general maintenance. And then the female, she uh, was like the, the housemaid. She was a um, like a spinster. And she would do a lot of the washing and some of the preparation of the food outside, like the skinning of the animals. And um, she would sometimes play with some of the children that were local as well because I kept hearing kids' laughter with her as well. Um, But they had this very strong sense of being in the home and now they were ready to say thank you to the new owners because they had brought children and life and love and joy back into the home and it hadn't had that in quite a while so they were happy to to say thank you and to leave which they went pretty quickly and they decided that they were going to just go out into the property and take themselves where they needed to go so that was it and they were gone and that was really quite sweet and nice Um, And then as we made our way through, I started to move into uh, the lounge room, general sort of very centre of the the home. Yeah. It's like the heart of the home. The fireplace. Yeah. And it was an original part of the home. And I felt sick immediately. I felt like I wanted to vomit, like it come on very strong and I wanted to move straight out of that space. Uh, It felt very intense. And um, doing a general sweep, that is straight away not something that I want to give over to immediately. I want to move straight through it and then I'll come back to it when I've got my energy up where I need to get to. So then we moved into the next room and I felt that there was a lot of um, a lot of energy in that room too, but it wasn't threatening. It wasn't making me feel sick, but it was very active and there was going to be a lot of conversation in there. I knew it was going to be quite active in there. Then we moved through into the kitchen And the kitchen actually felt really uh, peaceful and homely. But in that first little section, as I walked in, I felt sick again. I felt very sick and I had to move through. I remember thinking, I'm going to vomit. Like, And I was thinking, I was looking around for things to vomit in and I was going for that sink. Wow. Okay. And it would have been so embarrassing. It would have been so embarrassing. But if if I think about it and talk about it, I give into it and I've got to talk myself out of it. That makes sense. Yeah. You're holding yourself together. Yep. We go through the bathroom, which wasn't an original bathroom, but it was a very old bathroom. 
and that was quite a dead space for me. There was nothing in there. It was um, what I felt was that it was energy being drawn into other parts of the house rather than being drawn into the bathroom. Like I never even went in there because it was like a void. No. Is that because cleansing happens in bathrooms? Uh, it can, yeah. Um, bathrooms are actually usually quite active. Mm. But I felt that the the water source, as with the electrical source later on, was being used in other spaces, not to hub into the bathroom. Sure. Uh, then we went into the what we would call the main bedroom. The front room, yep. The front bedroom. Uh, and it was a very interesting room. Uh, for me, that had lots of different things coming through that I felt were visions, feelings, knowings, um, all these different things that felt layered. So what I mean by that is that some of the things I felt would have happened at this certain period of the time and then with certain people and then other things were from another period in time and then other things were more recent and other things were further away. So it felt like it was a space that I needed to spend more time in understanding and compartmentalizing who was who and where was what and when was when. Yep. So I moved out of that pretty quickly. We did a general sweep of everything else and I really couldn't get into the new addition. There was nothing. It was an empty, beautiful space. We went downstairs and then yes. we created a little bit of a man cave. Um, and that felt very warm and inviting and there was nothing there, but there was some really cool photographs of the original homestead, which you've got. And so we're going to place all of these photos uh, and some video footage as well onto the Instagram. Yep. They're really the cool to look at. Yeah. Uh, and so when we finally decided to invite the owners back in, uh, we allowed Because you them- made them out. You made them wait outside the and they first, were outside. The yep. 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 Um, and we invited them back in and I'm more than happy once I know that I'm safe and once I know that I can hold space for everyone else, I'm happy for whoever to come in. And there was a few of us around. There was. <laughs> so um, I have to be responsible as well because I know what I'm doing is playing with energy that... You're working with energy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I'm playing with... Um, I'm playing with energy too. I'm not just working with it. I'm playing with it because I'm trying to get it to uh, interact. I'm trying okay. to get it to move. And I'm trying to sometimes antagonize it. Great. Well, it's That's part of the know. job. It's yep. part of the job. You do it in your responsible way. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I don't recommend people do it. No, people listening, <laughs> not recommended. Let's put a warning at the start of this. Yeah. Do not try this at home. True. I need to record another warning. <sighs> so... Please don't try that. Yeah, please don't. Go uh, on, go on. So we went into what I'm going to call the boys' bedroom, which was the second room that I went into that I said that there was going, I felt like there was going to be a lot of activity. We walk into this room and now it's got bunk beds in it, two bunk beds and a single bed and a couple of wardrobes. Yeah. It's quite a full room in terms of there's a lot in it. And immediately I felt that I was with three teenage boys that weren't threatening me like it wasn't a threatening energy it just felt like three 16 17 18 year old boy kind of thing very close together I knew they were brothers they had this very brotherly connection um there was something about them that said that they all they all lived in this room this was their bedroom that they shared uh and um the eldest brother who seemed to be more of the spokesperson and the more dominant energy felt like he was a bit of a troublemaker. He felt like he was a bit mischievous and maybe had already had been involved in some small petty crime. He liked to start fires. He was showing me that he liked to start fires, he liked playing with fires. Do you know what 
time period this would have been? Um, it probably would have been in the 40s, 50s. Okay. Is maybe that, 60s. Is that from what they were latest. wearing or uh, what they were telling yeah. you about what things were going on what at that time? What they look like, yep. Yep. what their belongings are, like um, the, the language that they use, um, the way they are as, a, as, as brothers. Yep. Um, so 40s, 50s, maybe even yeah. 60s. Okay. Maybe I would probably say 40s, 50s. Okay. Um, so the eldest brother was very well communicating, uh, very well defined for me. And then the second brother was the brother who I felt um, would have been definitely either joining the army or part of some kind of um, cadet program or something with a view to want to join the army or join the forces because he had the buzz cut which they all ended up having but I felt that it that his was because of the army not because of anything other than that but he also maybe um (laughs) well her mind goes to head lice I'm a mum of girls (laughs) Head lice. That's why we shave heads. Um, and so he kept showing me his bed being perfectly made and his clothes being perfectly folded and his shoes being shined, his black boots shined and put next to his bed. And then the older brother would come in and mess it all up and it would annoy him. Fair and, enough. Yeah. And then there was the other brother who was the younger one of the three who felt a bit simple. He felt like he would have... Uh, maybe had some kind of intellectual impairment or maybe just a little bit simple, really, I guess. Back then that would probably be the way that they described that. Yeah. Um, And he would pretty much just do whatever anyone told him to do. He he was just a go-with-the-flow kind of person and didn't really vocalise too much. He wasn't really playing too much. But... We started talking about a a few of the boys and we were interacting with them a little bit. And Kim, the owner, she said um, uh, that she remembered that there was a phone in one of the cupboards that was a mobile phone and she thought that it was funny that this this boy was quite mischievous, the older one, because they found that in that room they would have funny things happen, like the phone would just ring randomly. (laughs) Uh, And so it made sense for her that there was a mischievous energy in that room because that's the room that they that they recognise the, the funny stuff. And I remember the um, one of the sisters that, that that's her room, she she thinks it's funny as well. Like she's had a few things happening there that were quite funny. One of the other sisters, though, said that she was frightened in that room and she won't go in that room because she had someone lay on top of her in that room. That's right, yes. So there was a few different things there as well. But Kim did ask me, do we have a name? And I kept hearing the name Owen. And so I said, there's definitely an Owen here. I don't know which one it is or why, but I keep hearing the name Owen. So that's that's a name of someone. Then we had Andrew, a random spirit, come in um, who I believed was, he, he told me that he had had some kind of head trauma that was caused by some sort of motor vehicle accident, whether it was a buggy or a cart, I'm not sure, but I felt like I was bouncing around a little bit. Uh, and that there was a crash and my head hit something and I died from the head trauma. Uh, But I knew that he didn't belong to the home. He belonged outside of the home, but he was there because of the activity. The the house is lit up like a moth to a flame kind of situation. And he tended to be kind of like a spruker almost for spirits in the area because he was inviting 
a whole heap of other spirits in. So we ended up yeah, meeting. Did. We ended up meeting Patricia, who was a young girl who told me that she had been drowned. Um, by the way her. that you described the way that she appeared to you was interesting. Yeah, so she appeared to me drenched, like fully drenched, like I she just got out of the pool and and stood there drip, dripping wet. Yep. Um, and she had shown me her death, which she'd been drowned by her dad, and she'd been drowned by her dad because she was promiscuous and he didn't like it. She was a lot younger than she looked and a lot younger than she pretended to be. Um, and when she, when she showed, once she validated and, and I was able to understand how she died and spoke it, she then just became a normal girl and I was, and she wasn't drop, dropping, like dripping wet. She, oh, really? she was just normal. And she, beca- she was wearing like a nighty, like negligee. It was like a slip, like a petticoat. Yep. Um, and she had her hair out and it was just in this plait that was sort of just down her, down her chest, past her boob kind of thing that kind of came down and it was very alluring. Like you could tell that she wanted attention and she, she liked the attention, but she was very young. Uh, and so her father was, when he found out that she had been as promiscuous as she was with a lot of the men in the area, he, he killed her, he drowned her. Um, and then there was the pig man. So Andrew then introduced us to this man who was a drunk. Uh, I don't think he was a mean drunk. He would have just been like the town drunk. Um, But he also had lost his fingers. So he had a stubby hand and he had no tops of his fingers, just like a stub. But he had pigs on his property and he was actually dead for a long time before they found him. And I can't remember what his name was. I can't remember whether I found his name. I don't think so. I have to go back and listen to the audio. Um, I think you called him Pigman a fair bit. Yeah, I think I did. Um, (laughs) And you could smell the alcohol. Yeah, you could smell the alcohol. Um, And things get quite heightened for me, so I pay attention to it. So that's how I usually understand what they're trying to say because they will make it really strong for me to to go with that. Um, And so when we moved out of that room... Can I ask a question? Sure. Andrew was able to introduce you to Patricia and the pigman because he knew them in his life and therefore he had a connection to no. bring them forward? No, they're just aware of each other's spirits. Okay, because I remember at one stage you saying something that Andrew knew Patricia mm. or knew of her or had somehow known each other. They must in have. The, they yeah. would have had to have. Yes. Okay, I think that's what maybe I was asking so yeah okay so what do you mean he they must have or well I think that he must have helped her at one point because yeah I think that I remember feeling like Andrew because I didn't really like Andrew's energy at first I didn't like the way he came in and was sort of um feeling like he kind of decided who could be there and who didn't it it was kind of how I was sort of it, it, it was like someone wanting to come in and, and do my job for me. Like controlling who you got to meet. Kind of. Or he was more of an MC in the end. Mm, well, in the end, yes. Yep. But in the beginning, it's not what it felt like. In the okay. beginning, I felt like he was going to start deciding what was going to be happening. And I didn't like it at first. But then Patricia was able to help me understand that he actually had helped her. And from what I could gather, they he would have helped her as a, as a person because she made me feel that he was actually quite kind and she'd experienced his kindness as a person. Yeah. Um, so 
potentially he was a local man who did know her and maybe wasn't someone who took advantage of her but rather helped her in some way. I don't know. I didn't yep. get that part of the story. I wasn't Not as given specific that. but just the, those feelings. Yeah, and maybe okay. if we go when we go back, if I spend more time with them, if they come back, maybe I'm able to go further into that. The more time I spend with them, the better. Um, but when I walked out of that room... What I felt too was that right below beneath us was a vortex of some sort. I was shown a vision of three women, two of them were sisters and one of them wasn't, sitting in a circle, like a, in sitting in circle like I do with mediumship, like a medium circle. And the, the purpose of sitting in circle is to conjure spirit. And this wasn't done in black magic. It wasn't done in a dark way. It was done probably more as a, um, a paganism more type thing where it was a love of the land and it may have even been indigenous. I don't know. I don't think it was because these women looked white, um, but I don't know. But I, but what I knew was that they that there was some energetic force below me in that room. I felt it just sort of running. Oh, so not in the boys' room. In, from the boys' room but through the doorway specifically yep. and into the lounge room. So, okay. Yeah. I just felt that it was going to be under that doorway, you know, it's going to be under that spot. Yeah. And so when I walked back into the lounge room, those spirits that were in that room followed me <laughs> into the lounge room and the lounge room is quite small, mm. which you'll see in the photos. You kept moving around. Because the sisters were all sitting on the lounge. Yes. You were in the room, Kim was in the room yep. and one of the daughters was in the room. Yeah. And then there was me and four other spirits joining in the room. And I'm like, there's no room. And you're going to push me into the fire. Are you going to tip me onto the lounge? Like I need to move around. And so I moved into the doorway. And while I was trying to adjust my energy into understanding that this sick feeling is quite strong, but push it away, I felt someone start playing with my hair. So you had your back to the original doorway that we had walked yeah. into. Yeah, into which the, the doll room is behind yes. me. Yes. And so I felt someone playing with my hair and I just thought, okay, I'm just going to see who that is. Just give it a little bit of time because they're not <laughs> stepping into my peripheral. They're not communicating other than this and that's okay. It doesn't bother me. Um, but I'm definitely aware of that happening. And so then I'm aware of all of a sudden this little girl saying, hi, I'm April. And straight away I'm like, who's April? And April ended up becoming um, a cute little sort of spirit that came that I gave some more energy to a little bit later on. But while we were in in the lounge room, um, I got this strong smell of tobacco and licorice um, and alcohol. And what I was being shown in a vision was um, ships coming up the creek, which backs onto the property. Ships coming up the creek, delivering things like tobacco and licorice. And these items were items that you were luxury. They, they weren't something that everyone could afford. And it was... Um, back in the day. Back in the day. And the creek I'm used it. to be huge. It yeah. was the main thoroughfare, the main way of transportation. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, the what I was seeing was that the original owners of the home would buy tobacco... Um, and certain alcohol as well, and they would have some of it, but they stored it and they hid it in the wall. I don't think I said that, no. but they hid it in the wall and they hid it because people would come and steal those kinds of things. If you were going to steal something, that's what you would steal, tobacco and licorice and alcohol. 
So they hid it. And why they were hiding it was for when this certain person came. So then I start seeing this vision of this man sitting in a chair. And he looks like what I described as an aristocrat. Like he looked very well dressed. Like he was someone that didn't belong in that home in terms of he was very well off. So yeah, very important professional, very important. And he had this energy about him that that commanded that too. And when he came, he smoked a pipe. And so they would get the tobacco out and they would save that tobacco for him because it was of a certain standard. And it was the special tobacco just for him. And the reason why they looked after this man so well was because he gave them, he afforded them some sort of rite of passage to do with the land. And I kept understanding that he had some sort of pull when it come to the local lawmakers that would allow the local lawmakers to turn a blind eye about potentially what was happening on the land or what they wanted to do with the land or whatever the goings-ons were with taxes or something. But if they made this man happy, they got away with doing something that they wouldn't have been able to get away with doing. I wonder what that was. Well, later on when we find out who this man is and we're able to validate who he is, my assumption is is quite clear, which I'll talk about in a minute. Ooh. But um, the way that I saw him, there was something quite defining about him, which was his moustache. And it was one of those moustaches that would turn itself up on either side. That's very trendy now, but <laughs> um, it was a very 1940s, 1930s, 1920s kind of style turned yeah. up moustache. And I also was shown that there was a photograph that we would find that they would, they told me there was a photo that I would see of this man. And, and if we look for it, we will find it. So then I start giving April a bit of attention and April starts talking to me about not liking that man, not liking the pig man, not liking Andrew and not liking Patricia. So she doesn't go into that room. She stands at the doorway and she stands in the the newer part of the the original home, which is the veranda, but it's not the most recent addition, but it's not the original home. And what I when I turned around and I gave her my energy, I turned my back on the energy in the lounge room, what I realized was that she had come because of the dolls. Come for the dolls. She was drawn to the home <laughs> because of the dolls. I think she probably belonged to the cemetery, which FYI, there's a cemetery just down the end of the street <laughs> from this home. And so This place has it all. It does. And um what I felt too was that at that point in time, I was shown that there were that there must have been a school close by because there was a lot of children around that all died at the same time. So there must have been some sort of plague, some sort of flu, which later on I discovered what that was too. So um, flood? No, it was um, the um, smallpox. Oh gosh. So. Um, the so April then made me feel that I could speak to the dolls now. Whereas in the beginning, when I first met the dolls energy, I kept feeling this I wanted to touch them and I wanted to play with them and interact with them, but there was something <laughs> that was telling me not to do it. I couldn't do it. Like, and I say that in the video, in the audio, I, I, I want to, but I just can't. And when I met April, I all of a sudden felt like, no, I can now. And so I went over to the dolls and I legit spoke to dolls for like the next half an hour. Guys, it gets really weird here. <laughs> really weird. So weird. 
She spe- she actually did speak to dolls. I spoke to dolls. Well, the owners of the dolls that the owners were, of the dolls. because you know back then these girls had one doll that was their prized possession. It's not like kids these days have twenty Barbies and toss. You know, that's that. But back then, this was their. And one thing that we noticed that they all had in common was they were all broken and repaired. Yeah. So I picked up the first doll and spirit, the spirit that was connected to this doll was telling me about the doll but told me to look on its back because it's, it's sore on its back. And it had that bruise yep. on its back. A little black round Yeah. And spot. then there was a doll that also said, like, have a look. And so I lifted up the dress and it had been bandaged like almost like a, a an old school version of plastered yeah. together because it wasn't a, a soft bandage it was like a plastered hard it had been cemented in there mm. um and then there was another doll that also had the broken like had a broken arm and there was a broken leg and there was a doll that if you shook it all the pieces inside of it were there that but one was really interesting all the dolls had really cool stories they and did they did and then we moved. Which sounds so weird. But. It does, but <laughs> we'll put a little bit. I'll put a little bit of me talking to dolls. But There's I'm videos, that everybody. Get taken and, <laughs> and turned into some kind of weird meme, who knows? But Well, um, that could be fun. Do you reckon? <laughs> For everyone else. How about we but make you. that you? <laughs> um, and so we speak to the dolls, and then it's time to go into the main bedroom. And, yes, there is another doll on the bed. Of course there's another doll on the bed. I pick this doll up and literally I am not shitting you. First of all, it's blinking at me. Like it's one of those dolls that when you move it, its eyes blink. Its eyes open and close. But only one eye was working and one eye was winking and one eye was sort of blacked out. There was something weird about that right eye. Yeah, the eyes didn't match up. One eye was a little bit black and dark and the other eye looked like a normal doll's eye. But while I was looking at this doll, um, the looking at the doll, the left eye, but its right eye, yep. completely went like an opalescent white and faded and then came back and it scared the fucking shit out of me. Like I've never had anything like that happen before. When and- I see you scared, it freaks me out. So it was <laughs> one of those... if she's scared then i'm scared (laughs) it's funny but because i don't get scared is probably not the right word no it's more just like it's a surprise yeah this is something new what the fuck do i do with this newness because i think i say in the video i don't know what to do yeah like i i just i'm looking at i put the doll down immediately i'm like i don't know what to do about this like I think, I, you said, I think you just said, oh, no, <laughs> put it down. Because I just haven't had a plan. I don't know. I need more time to think about what to do with this newfound yeah. thing that's just occurred. Yeah. Um, but that doll actually had a really cool story because the husband, the, the, the man who owns the property, my, my client's husband, it was his sister's doll. Yes. And she died when she was eight. Yeah, I think so. She, yeah. she died when she was eight. And so they had the dead sister's doll, doll on their bed. On their bed. On their bed. So yep. I was like, I don't think that that's cool. So how about we just don't sleep with that doll on the bed anymore? And the pram that all the other 
Bride of Chucky dolls were in. Was the sister's pram. Yeah. Was that doll's pram. Yeah. yeah. So that doll needed to go back into her pram and yes. be with the other dolls. With her friends. With her friends. Showing them her freaky eye. Yeah. And so Donna was the sister. And I feel like Donna's probably the one who brings all the dolls. Like I really think that she's the one that brings the broken dolls around and I think that's Kim's – that's why Kim's compelled to okay. dolls. Um. But in that room too was was some pretty awful um, happenings for me. You saw some visions I that did. happened outside the room. So when I walked into that room... This was s- concerning to watch you go through all of this too, may I just say, because it was uncomfortable. Mm. And watching you be uncomfortable is just, yeah, obviously it's not, not nice. nice, but it was fascinating too. Mm. So when I walked into that room, it was the room that I spoke about before where there was lots of different things that I was getting that came from lots of different times and spaces and I needed to work out what was what. Yes. So obviously there was Donna stuff happening in that room, the sister, and that's one part of the element gone. Um, it was a doorway too. There is a doorway that led to outside and that door was blocked up with stuff and it wasn't usable, like no one used it, but it was a door that went access yep. outside. But what I kept seeing when I looked over to that doorway was people hanging. On the outside? On the outside. Not the inside of the room, but from the outside I could just see people hanging. And I asked Kim what's outside, what's up there, because I couldn't figure out what they were hanging from. And when I saw it, though, they would. I kept getting images of the Ku Klux Klan. Like I knew there was some kind of... Um, story behind it that had to do with white people killing black people. Not nice. Not nice. And it was quite horrific to see and to, um, to like to absorb. So I had to get out of that room. And as I was walking back through out of that room, I started to get these really excruciating pains in my sort of pelvis area and in my abdomen. And it felt a lot like I was being stabbed. Yeah, you were doubling over and it was getting a lot. Yeah. And I said, Tracy, I think you need to sit down. You're like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. We stumble back into the room. Because I know it's not real. Yes. And I know that I'm not being stabbed and I know that yeah. nothing's happening to my insides. It's just like ghost feelings. It's fake feeling. It's so I feeling, know though. I'm fine. I know, yeah. but I'm separate. I, yes. I can detach from the fact that it's not mine. So yep. I'm never worried. I'm never scared. It's just scared. not pleasant. It's just not pleasant. Yeah. And I know that the more I give to it, yes. that the quicker it can go. Yep. I need to give it enough to understand it. And the minute I understand it and validate it and get it out, it will stop. Yeah. And so if I, I can't stop it until no. I give it what it needs. Yeah. So I'm better off giving in to that sort of stuff and that's what I did. But I had to leave for a second yeah, um, and just go into it. And what I actually felt was that I was having a baby um, cut out of me and I felt that this was a forced abortion. I felt that I was probably an Indigenous woman and that I was having a white man carve a baby fetus out of my abdomen. So gross. So it was some sort of forced abortion. So I feel like potentially these women may have been raped by the white men and they were having babies and the white men didn't want them to have the babies. So that kind of processed. And what Kim was able to validate for us after I was talking about these certain things was that um, there are reports of in that area 
uh, of Aboriginals being hung from the trees. Um, and we later on I found reports of when there were um, when there were uh, you know the dark and young people. Yes. So they've got reports on the Aboriginal um, heritage resource Indigenous website yes. thing, where they mention these particular battles amongst the 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 whites and the Indigenous. Sure. Um, and they do mention the hanging trees, but these ones aren't in Mangrove Creek. They're in different spaces, but hanging trees were a thing. Yes, of course. Yep. Um, so I felt that that was definitely the Ku Klux Klan type thing that I was getting, what I was trying to be shown, except when this information comes through, it's not the spirits that are giving it to me. It's just my guides helping me understand the energy of what's going on for my clients. So that's where the interpretation and the validation and doing some research and knowing the history from the owner and the research that they've done and the stories that they've been passed down really helps me do my job further, helps me understand it, Hmm. which then I can find out more because I can go deeper down the rabbit hole with that. So that room was quite interesting um, and... um, Often Kim couldn't sleep in that room and she would say that she would have to go out and sleep in the lounge room and then she wouldn't be able to sleep in the lounge room so she'd find herself travelling all over the house to try and find a place to sleep that was quite restful. But now knowing that um, if she sleeps with her blinds down, most of the energy comes from outside looking in. It's not in the room. And most of the energy from in the room was Donna. Right. So there is that. Then going into the kitchen as well, there was um, an old... Uh, indigenous woman who used to bring rabbits and she would trade the rabbits for medical supplies and I felt like she was either the local midwife she was kind of like the local go-to elder of the community that would help everyone that was ill like a healer a healer And so she uh, would come to the home and this home, the owners of the home that were white people, they were one of the only white people in the area who actually worked with the Indigenous and they weren't racist. They weren't, you know, turning them away. And it was unheard of for an Indigenous person to be inside a white person's home, but she was allowed in there. And it's funny because... um, She's showing me these rabbits that she's bringing in and then you hear... Kim's son-in-law turn around and say, ha, that's funny because Kim's husband loves rabbit stew. (laughs) And that felt exactly like that's probably what they were doing with the rabbits was making rabbit stew. Um, So I felt like I needed to call her honey as well. She just like her name was like honey, but not like, Hey honey. It was, it's like her name was Honey. They called her Honey, and I don't know why, but they called her Honey. Hmm. Um, so we moved out of there, and we decided that it was time to go outside because there's quite a lot of activity that the residents talk about, the owners talk about, that happens outside. So they have heard voices, and they, they're inside, but they hear the voices outside. And we are literally, legitimately, in the middle of no fucking where. <laughs> like, voices do travel in hills and mountain areas, but they are up the hill. It's very rare for noise to travel up a hill. It usually travels down the hill. Um, And these voices uh, sometimes would even be as specific as saying the names of the people in this family. So they were not freaked out by it, but they wanted to understand how and why that was happening. 
So we journeyed out the front and what I first wanted to do though was check out the hanging tree situation because I felt this really strong connection that um, that there was one tree specifically that I know that Aboriginals were hung from but there was another space that I felt that the tree had been removed and that if that if we were to go back that we would see a picture of a tree there, quite a large one. Um and the energy basically felt that it was observant rather than maleficent or wanting to be active. It was just observant. And sometimes energy that observes us can feel quite intimidating, which is what Kim's feeling was in her bedroom. Yes. The window looked out to that exact area where that tree would have been. Um, is that why they were there? Because the, I'm not sure if you mentioned it on the night or not, but the the white family in that house, because you were saying they, they got on well with the Aboriginal people in the area, did the other white people in the area take exception to that and that's why they were using those trees right outside of their house? I think that they were using those trees because they were the other white people that didn't like the fact that this white yes, family... because they had that relationship. Yeah, it yep. was like a... Are we going to intimidate you? Horrendous. Like, yeah. Oh, abhorrent. It's like we're going to make it so that you don't feel comfortable to do what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, it's like indirect racism kind so of. Bad. I don't know. Not indirect. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't yeah. like yeah. whatever you want to call yeah, it. I don't know. Absolutely. Uh, I don't want to be politically incorrect. That's but true. Yeah. It yep. is what it is. Uh, yep. But there was a lot Especially of white, then. black, indigenous as well. Not just white, black, but just indigenous compared to the new people in town. It's the same with wherever you go. Like if you're Indigenous to your community, yeah. if, you, if you're if you an original person in your street and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they come and knock down all the houses and they build high-rise buildings around you, they're going to bully you out. Mm. You know, they're like bullies regardless of whether you're black, white, whatever you are, there's the bullies and these guys were the bullies that killed these people and hung them by the tree to yep. intimidate. Um and then we we decided to venture around the side of the yes. house. Yep. Now, I wanted to go under the house because under the house would have been where that vortex was that I mentioned earlier that I felt so strongly driven to. So the first thing that I wanted to do was open up the door to go under. But once I saw that door, I was like, no fucking way am I going through that door. But then I heard we started to hear the voices. And all of us that you heard them, the the four women that were with us heard them. Yeah. And it was like, where is that? It's all around you. It's like it comes, it doesn't really come from a specific direction. It's just an all around you kind of situation. It's like standing in the middle of a busy pub and everyone around you is having their own, yeah, their own conversations. So once I started hearing it, I'm like, stuff it, open up that door, I'm going in. Why did you see the door and go, no, I don't want to go in there? Uh, Spiders. Ah. That's right. I am far more scared of spiders and snakes than I am of spirits and going into hidey holes. It's the it's the snakes and the spiders that do me in. It's like, <laughs> no, thank you. It's just <laughs> creepy crawlies. <laughs> so when I opened up the door and was able to see in, it was there was definitely going to be no spiders and snakes in there. So I was ready to go. Yeah. But I wanted to shine the light. I shone the light up to ask Kim, the owner, whether if I am shining the light here, is this about where if I'm looking up into the house that the doorway is? Is this where the doorway is? That Because that's where I'm feeling that it is. So when I shone the light there, I was able to see that there was actually this cable or a group of cablings, like a, a, 
bundle. A bundle, it's a good word, of cable that ran straight down the line from basically the side of the house through the guts and the heart of the house that ran through that active room where the boys were, through into the lounge room, (laughs) and then stopped where the new area was. And immediately, as someone who knows what they're looking at, it's not a vortex, it's freaking the electric source that spirit is using to do what they're doing. It's to draw wet. the energy. It's drawing their energy. And so that's why I felt that sickness feeling as I walked through that, that, that. I walked in a straight line and I just felt sick. And I was following the line of the electricity. Now, when I turned around, something else was really alarmingly freaking obvious to me. We were smack bang in the pyramid of water tanks. Yeah, there was two So the tanks. top of the triangle of the pyramid was the electric Yep. And the two other corners were water tanks. And we were in this triangle, like the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> of energy. Yep. You step out of that, you don't hear the voices. No. You step back in, you hear the voices. So I was able to understand and ascertain why it was in that specific spot that we could always hear voices, why the bedroom that's window faces that space is the room where everyone hears people's names and hears the talking and it's so loud you can't sleep at night. Yeah. It's like a party going on. And it's because it was that triangle. So once we worked that out, um, I felt that I was being watched and so we did a little bit more of an exploration of the property. I think you even looked to the corner of the house and you said you saw someone. Oh, yeah, I followed that around. Yeah. Um, And I never actually found what it was, but it took me over to an area that piqued my interest more, which was a specific tree. It overlooked, yep, down by the creek. Yep. And I felt that there were a lot of Indigenous that were just staying clear, but just watching, just observing, because that's what they'll do. They'll just observe. They're not harmful. They're not threatening. I don't feel intimidated. They're just observing. And they do it from a, a place that's that's pure. It's a pure place. It's a beautiful place. Um, and from there, we then decided that it was time to wrap it up. Um, and the the clients were really happy with um, the way that it had gone because a lot of the stuff that they were feeling was being validated. Um, but also made some more sense because some of the names that I was bringing up and some of the things that I was talking about, they were like, yeah, that that's exactly what it feels like. That's what we see. That's what we hear. That's what we know to be true. So obviously you and I were fascinated by some of the things that came up. And we're so geeky when it comes to stuff like that. (laughs) So we then uh, both went home and decided Google. Hello, Google. (laughs) Birth deaths and marriages and and everything else in all between. of the things yeah and where do you start you yep. know mango creek yep. mango mangrove mangrove creek you know mangrove mountain yep. indigenous we knew that the original owners of the home that they that they had been sold not the original owners but the people that had sold it to my clients their last name was Andrews and it had been in their family for a very long time so we at least had a name a surname to go by and that opened us up into a bit more of a rabbit a rabbit's hole and you had the name of Owen Oh yeah, and the man in the and room the, the aristocrat moustache yep. man you had his I name I kept hearing the name Kelly Yep and I didn't know where that was from, but I kept hearing the name Kelly. Yep. Hello, Google. Hello, Google. 
It um, it gets more interesting as you dive into the history and things sort of piece together really well. Yeah. It would also be interesting to hear about the client's reaction and they've probably found stuff too. Yeah. So we'll include that as well. Yes. But for now, um, if you head on over to all our socials, there'll be videos and voices to listen to and check out and let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm going to give you a little listen to the audio that we captured and it's going to be just a 10 seconds. So I want you to listen out for it, but I promise you, you will not miss it. Yeah, so what fun. is it, those dolls, is it? Those dolls. That okay. one up there is a bit fun, but these ones here. No, uh, what have I told you about <laughs> those dolls? Yeah, you've got to be really careful what you can get up at antiques. So I'm pretty sure that everyone would have heard that, but if you didn't, here it is again. Yeah, so what fun. is it, those dolls, is it? Those dolls. That yeah. one up there is a bit fun, but these ones here. No, they're... Uh, what have I told you about those dolls? Yeah, you've got to be really careful what you can get up at antiques. Here it is again. So, Tracy, there's other voices going on in that recording. Yeah. And but what did you hear, Laura? That <laughs> freaked you out when I played it for you. I thought it was me to begin with. So did I. I thought it was me saying, stop it. But then I heard myself laugh sort of over the top of that. (laughs) Before stop it finishes. So I know it wasn't me and I know I didn't hear it on the night. So Mm -hmm. is that what you're referring to? Mm -hmm. Yep. Stop it. It's really creepy. It is. It's very close to the microphone, which was on my phone that you were holding. Uh, And it came through. That audio comes when I'm talking about not being able to touch the dolls, not being able to play with them, even though I really wanted to. And what you and I have figured is probably that this spirit that says stop it was probably a little bit cross with us. Yeah, I think so. Because we were making fun of... Chucky dolls. Chucky bride dolls. That they probably really loved and they didn't like us teasing them maybe. Yes. And what I find interesting is that we heard, well, you heard that voice in the recording. We didn't hear it at the time. No. But that spirit didn't come through and have a chat with you. It was just April and that wasn't April. It might have been Beryl. Beryl. That's we're going to have to wait until episode two to hear who Beryl is yes. and why Beryl might have been the one saying stop it. <laughs> why she might have been cranky. <laughs> Gotta love Beryl. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed your little special episode, little bonus, and hope you enjoyed it well enough to maybe listen to part two of it. Yeah. (laughs) Listen to us ramble on again. Thanks, guys. Bye.